Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside regular Monday guests, not even a guest anymore, regular Monday co-host, Justin Garcia of the Bucks Radio Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Justin, when we jumped off the call the other day, I said, listen, I, I think I'm set for Monday. Uh, I may not need to send you the uh, the usual Sunday evening text, but here we are. We've just finished watching game three of the NBA Finals. And, uh, you know, it, it, it has been tough to get into these NBA Finals. And we're going to talk about NBA coaching vacancies on today's podcast uh, and where the Bucks sort of fit into that mix if they were to be thrown into that, uh, into that uh, rotation, I guess, of so many teams that are looking for a new coach. But we'll start with the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler was pretty... Incredible tonight. Obviously, no Bam Adebayo and no Goran Dragic. But uh, does it really matter? Does it matter? Is this actually going to turn into a series? Uh, man. I mean, I would think no. And But, you know, it, it, this kind of feels like it's payback for the old digital show that we would do before Bucks games, the old yeah. uh, courtside show where it seemed like every other home game, I would have to text you if something fell through. Like, hey, by the way, uh, do you want to stop by <laughs> and uh, do this show again? Um, you know, I thought going into the series, I we reached a point in the conference finals where I think everybody was kind of behind Denver and just wanted to see, especially when it was 3-1, like, all right, yeah. let's see him do this three times. But, you know, once you saw Miami get there and uh, just how weird this playoff seemed to have gone, and a lot of people cautioned that from the start, I think I was certainly in the camp of, you know what? screw it, let's just see Denver and Miami and let's see the most unconventional finals you can imagine. And when we only got half of that equation, I think that definitely takes away from it. I think if we would have had Denver-Miami, there would have been more intrigue just because it's two teams that were totally unexpected. And, you know, Miami has been there before, but Denver hasn't, so there's the intrigue there. But now that you have one of the traditional powerhouses and a team that was a five seed that came, everybody's expecting the Lakers to win, so I think that takes away a lot of the juice. And, you know, I think a lot has been made of the ratings and everything else from this, but let's also not lose sight of the fact that there's major league baseball playoffs going on. There's the NFL, a regular season and college football going on. Uh, depending on what part of the country you're in, these are weekends where it might be the last actual weekend you can get outside and do something that, you know, there's just been a lot of things pulling you away from this series. And the fact that it's been, not really that compelling coming in. And even the Lakers, you know, it's LeBron and AD, but outside of that, it's not a very compelling roster that it's just basically, you know, been what you would expect out of 2020, that it's been a perfect storm of weird here in the finals. Listen, I love basketball, clearly. Clearly, I love basketball and I watch uh, far too much of it. But even I've come into this uh, into this series, and as you pointed to, Miami lose a couple of players. And 
if I wasn't working and have to write about uh, these games, then, you know, I'd probably be watching baseball or probably be watching NFL or something like that. It's just difficult. I think this is exactly why the NBA, even when they've spoke about uh, extending the NBA season, the, the finish point or the NBA finals point always lands in August. And there's, there's for very obvious reasons. That's when baseball is obviously just normally starting to fire up. It's prior to NFL because you just don't want to have those clashes. It just, it, it just doesn't make sense. I know going back a couple of weeks ago, there was uh, the Lakers, Denver or Boston, um, Miami. I can't remember what series it was now, but there was about a three or four day break in between games. Yeah. And I, I think that the only obvious reason for that was not only the network clash, but also the fact that there was NFL football on and they didn't want to clash with Sunday night and Monday night football. And it just goes to show uh, that uh, the ratings are going to be an issue. And yeah, well, it, it's, and, it's been tough to get into it. And they've, uh, they've adjusted the schedule again, I believe, because I thought when they first released the final schedule that, um, you know, we talked about it going back to, if you, if you loved the playoffs in the nineties and early two thousands, when it was literally every other day, that's what you're going to get. That is, this isn't the made for TV events anymore. Um, but they, the, the first final schedule they put out, I believe had the extra off day between games three and four. And, uh, now game three is going to be Tuesday. So they've, they've taken that out. And I know, I don't know if you got a chance to hear it, but I know Ben Golliver's talked about it quite a bit. Cause he's, he and Chris Haynes and Malika have, have been in the bubble basically the longest where um, on his recent podcast that came out this weekend said, look, I think everybody that's been there from day one, uh, it's, it's just getting to be too much. And this is just as media members covering it that you, you know, can really empathize with players on the Heat and Lakers that these are guys actually playing where it's every other day that, you know, this has been a very, very long process and, uh, if we have to do a bubble again for at least a portion of the season next year, it can't be as long as this because it's it's certainly starting to wear on everybody there. And you think about it, it's mid-July, early July, since everybody reported to that bubble that's been there, that's still playing now, and the reporters, for the most part, that are still covering them. I mean, we're talking about three-plus months that guys have been there. <laughs> yeah, Adam Silva was on the pregame today, and he did mention – uh, the fact that, you know, it's, it's looking more like January, which I, I don't think is a surprise to anyone. That's where we're all sort of feeling this is going to go for next season. But then he also said that, you know, they want to be in the markets. They want to have crowds. Now, clearly the U.S. just is not in a position to be able to have crowds in arenas. It's, it, they just can't do it. So he said, listen, if there's something on the horizon in terms of a vaccine or treatment, it, which, you know, I mean, it, the year just keeps going on. It doesn't feel like uh, we're actually that much closer to that. I'm not sure whether that's going to be a trigger for a starting point, but we've seen what's happened in the NFL over the last couple of days. And the reality is if you start a season outside of what the NBA has done, which again, I don't think it's feasible to do it again, particularly not for a whole regular season, then you're going to have incidents like that pop up. It, it just seems almost impossible to avoid. Uh, the NFL is looking like they're going to continue to plow through and try and ride this out, but we'll see whether it starts to catch up with them. Uh, and in the NBA, as we know, it would be even more difficult because the games are so close together. So what we started to see when we go back to March was that, okay, who did Utah play in the last week? Oh, they played four teams and then those four teams played another 10 teams and those 10, it's just the, the, the point of contacts is just in, in the NBA and the way the schedule runs is just so difficult to manage. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think we would all uh, put more trust, you know, Given what we've seen here from the bubble, put more trust in the yeah. NBA than than uh, any of the other major pro leagues, the NHL, I guess, as well in that category. Um, but what does concern me somewhat is, 
I know I didn't hear what he said before today's game, but I know he said it a few times in, you know, Commissioner Silver said uh, January is the likely start date. And, you know, they've talked about the possibility of fans in arenas. And each time he has said, as of right now, we're planning on leaving that up to the municipalities of each corresponding team, which uh, to me, I think you almost have to step in and say, no, we're, we're not doing fans until we get a better grasp around this thing that, you know, the, for the first, even if it's like what we've seen some NFL teams do and say, Hey, for the first X amount of games, if it's like, Hey, for the first two months or first three months, first 30 games, whatever it is, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if Adam Silver said the plan right now is no fans until uh, at least this date on the calendar. All right, Justin, going to talk about our friends over at Roman now. And uh, this is just a fact. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash LockedOnNBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash Locked on NBA. GetRoman.com slash locked on NBA. You know, the, the way things are going in Wisconsin, it wouldn't be wouldn't be uh, looking too good for, for crowds at Fire Surf Forum anytime in the next month or so, or a couple of months uh, anyway, because we are already, you know, we're in October. So even if you were talking about January or February, it's not all that far away. Uh, before we do move on to the coaching conversation, I guess... When you look at Miami now, and, and clearly it's impossible to look at this team and really take anything away or compare it to what the Bucks saw because if you had taken Bam and Abayo and Goran Dragic out of that series and then had a healthy Giannis, then, you know, I think most people would, would believe that the Bucks would have been able to pull out that series. And as you were talking about, the, the difference that the bubble has had, and this is exactly the reason why I said right from the start, if you win a title... Uh, in this environment, or if the Bucks were able to win a title in this environment, it might be even more difficult than usual. We know all the other things that were going on on and off the court, but the fact that there, there was no home court, I was listening to a few podcasts last week, and most of them openly uh, admitted, and a few of them were Miami podcasts, actually, and they openly admitted that if the games one and two were in Milwaukee, would they have gone down two zip? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, you, you're looking back and, and trying to recreate history by having that discussion, but do you look at this Miami team now and the way they've been able to perform, and even today, the way they've been able to win, and Jimmy Butler with the performance he had, is it, does it change anything about the, the disappointment of the way the Bucks lost? Because I think we've spoke about almost it being a maybe a blessing in disguise that the Bucks were kind of embarrassed in the second round, and it might really force their hand and say, no, no, this wasn't just a bubble situation. This was a complete disaster. We need to change things before next season. My only concern would be that they look at Miami and say, hey, no, actually, they're a pretty damn good team. They made it to the NBA Finals. Maybe we are closer than we think, which I think was the, the mistake that they might have made a year earlier. Um, does it change anything for me? Not really. But yeah. as, as you and I were talking about before, um, you know, let's also be honest that there are a lot of teams and a lot of owners that are probably facing financial constraints that, um, you know, 
they, that weren't there in years past and that maybe they're not letting on as of right now, that that's more of an impetus as well to basically say, well, let's just run this back. That, you know, when the season ended, I remember you and Frank talking about the way that they lost, as you just said, that's probably the best possible way because it is very tough to sell. Well, we're just, you know, one or two things away from it going the other way that they thoroughly outplayed you. And this is two years in a row now that your season has ended in a disappointing fashion. But I got to tell you, the more I, I hear other chatter from around the league and the more you see the finals and you just kind of take a step back and realize, okay, here's the implications with the cap. Here's not just the Bucks, but other teams. Here's some of the contracts they have that may not be the easiest to move. I'm kind of starting to sway and feel like we may not see a whole lot of wholesale changes that sure you'll do some uh, trimming around uh, the fringes of your roster. But I kind of feel like most teams are going to basically run the same look back with minor changes and just point to how weird the bubble was as the major reason behind that when maybe it's financially driven as well. But, you know, you can point to it. Look, especially if Miami wins that even more so than teams will say, well, it was just a weird season where we played in the bubble. Miami was the team best set for that. We're not going to face that next year because as you brought up, Number one, I don't know that the Bucks beat the Heat if this was a normal setting, that it was just such a bad matchup and some of the things Miami did. Now, I don't think they're down two games to none after the first two. I don't think they lose the first two at home. But I'm not convinced Miami doesn't beat them otherwise. But mm-hmm. there are other series you look at where, you know, do the Clippers blow that three-to-one lead when they have home games and home court advantage? Probably not. And, you know, does Denver make it that far and come back from down three games to one when they're playing on the road? Who knows? So it's not just Miami reaching the finals that there were a lot of weird things that happened in this bubble playoff format as we expected. Um, But I'm starting to kind of sway and feel like, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are going to factor into it. And I think this might, be a gap year for a lot of the league where they just say, you know what, we're still not really sure what's going to happen with the cap beyond this year. And we're not even sure what the parameters of this upcoming year are. So don't expect a whole lot of changes is what I've kind of shifted to. So I wanted to, so the reason why I wanted to talk about the coaching vacancies around the league on today's podcast is because uh, we had a little bit of a poll, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, just around the, the entire Locked On NBA network. Uh, such an interesting year in terms of coaching vacancies around the league. And there's plenty of jobs and there might be a little bit of uh, rotating between coaches and different franchises. Obviously, last week we spoke about Doc Rivers uh, very, very quickly uh, picking up a job with Philadelphia after uh, parting ways, I think was uh, how they described it. Uh, with him and the Clippers, but some of the other teams and and some of these vacancies have already been taken up, obviously. But Philadelphia, Doc Rivers is there. Uh, Houston, Indiana, the LA Clippers, New Orleans Pelicans, Oklahoma City, uh, the Knicks. We know Tibbs is out there already. The Nets, obviously, Steve Nash. That was the shock to everyone. And then the Bulls with uh, Billy Donovan. So I know the Bucks fans still, and, and it, it died down a little bit, but I think this was more to do with the fact that the Brewers were in the postseason and the Packers' season has started up. I don't necessarily think the sentiment has changed with Bucks fans re- regarding Mike Budenholzer. And we've had that conversation. We're not going to go into the fact of whether he should be the coach next year or shouldn't be. Uh, I think we've discussed that enough. enough. But it's just really interesting to me to, to have the conversation around if the Bucks job was out there, and if the Bucks job was was on the market and someone could potentially uh, take that role, where do you think it would rank 
uh, among the, the vacancies when you look at, at a bunch of these teams? Um, I mean, are we in agreement that the Clippers job is the most enticing? Yeah, so the Clippers is, is right up there. Um, I think, and, I, and I'll say this at first, like any conversation around the Bucks job, so we have to, we have to assume that the, the 20... That number 34 is there long-term? Yeah, but potentially long-term, but the Clippers are in a similar position, so this is why yeah. it's interesting with them. Yeah. Maybe only one year of Paul George and Kawhi. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call this what's the most attractive job to coach a team in 2020, 2021, which, you know, yes, we assume Giannis is uh, obviously with more. Uh, you know, it's so weird because I kind of went back and forth a couple of times on a handful of teams of, okay, what's the best job out there? The, is it the Clippers? Because you have Steve Ballmer as the owner who's willing to spend mm. and uh, you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Is it Philadelphia? Because you're still in the East and look, I'll take the talent anytime, even if the pieces don't necessarily fit, you have pieces that you, you know, at least in one of the two, you should be able to move. Um, Houston is just, it doesn't, I guess you have two superstars, but it doesn't seem all that enticing to me that, you know, the more we've seen the musical chairs go on, I was a little surprised. I think you and I talked about it last week, how quickly Doc landed in Philadelphia. It seems like it's clearly the Clippers because you are tailor-made to compete for a championship. Although maybe to that point, it's not the most ideal because the expectations are championship, but I think it's the Clippers. And then there's a bit of a drop-off for the openings. Um, I, you know, I would almost put Houston towards the bottom of that list and kind of in there with Indiana. And, you know, if that Bucks job was open, I would still put it behind Philadelphia. Uh, You do have the MVP, but you know, as we said, you're assuming that he's going to be there long-term. You do have Chris Middleton, who's a very good player, but I think the talent that was in Philadelphia was just so enticing that even if you can't get the pieces to work, you at least get to take your crack at it and say, okay, what if we tried this and this didn't work out? Okay, now we know we do have to make a personnel move, but you still have personnel that people are going to be seeking. Um, So I think that made it far and away the most enticing that's out there. Uh, And then I would put the Clippers and then I would probably put the Bucks hypothetically if it was open behind those two teams but in the you know upper tier of the openings obviously but probably around third or fourth best opening out there all right let's talk built bar now justin the new and improved built bar you guys you keep hearing me talk about it because i I can't stop it's better than ever the 18 amazing flavors including the six new ones with caramel brownie cookies and cream included there but don't forget about the 12 originals with coconut almond Banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel. I could keep going on. The best thing about them, as we all know, they are great for the health-conscious guy. I literally just had one before I started this podcast. I'm going to finish this podcast. I'm going to go for a run. Uh, there's no better way to prepare for a run than having a built Bar because you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They are covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And of course, we've got a great deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, that seems about right. I've got the Nets up there as well. And I know that yeah. they already tired Steve Nash, but but you know, the Kevin Durant factor obviously is pretty intriguing. And as we sort of spoke about last week with Carrie Slavert, Spencer Dinwiddie, 
there is some players that I think would hold value because I think this is the problem with the Bucks roster and the Bucks job right now if you're coming in. I do think that a coach would look at the situation and maybe uh, if they had some different ideas of how to use Giannis, different ideas of how to use the personnel that is on the roster, then it would be super intriguing. I mean, you're talking about a team that uh, 60 wins last year would have won 60 uh, wins, uh, would have won 60 games this season if it wasn't cut short. So listen, we're not talking about even as currently constructed, we, we talk about winning a championship, but we're not talking about a team that is going to be bad next year. Like there's no chance they're going to be bad in the regular season. So I think that the the job is still attractive and you've got a two-time MVP on the roster who's still only 25 years old. So, I mean, from that point of view, clearly it it is an attractive job. I agree with the Philadelphia role, though, because uh, first of all, I think that either a coach, whether it's Doc Rivers, will probably come in and say, I can fix the relationship between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I can make this work. I I want a shot at this. We've really only seen Brett Brown out there as the guy that, that's had the reins for a long time. And for a lot of those years, the Sixers were actively trying to lose as a franchise. I'm not saying he was as a coach, but the franchise was. So it's very hard to get a read on the 76ers over the last few years. And the other point in that, when we talk about tradable assets, the Sixers, if they did decide that they wanted to trade one of Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, I mean, there would be no shortage of suitors and they would be able to get some real, real value back. And I think that's the problem with the Bucks, when we look at the roster and we've spoke about it over the last few weeks, yes, obviously um, Giannis is the number one guy, but you're not going to trade him anyway. Middleton, you know, I mean, you could probably trade him, but I, I don't know where that leaves the Bucks. Would you actually get better as a team if you trade him right now with the guys that would be in the mix for a trade? It's very hard for me to say yes. So then you're left with the rest of the roster and put into a situation where, uh, as Frank and I discussed last week, Brooke Lopez is a guy we really don't want to trade but there's just not that much value on the rest of the roster in terms of asset-wise what you can get back. So if you do want to improve the roster, you may need to trade a guy that you don't really want to do. So this is just the difficult situation that the Bucks find themselves in in regards to actually improving the roster. Yeah, I think um, the, the, the difficult conversation to have is, look, Brooke is probably your most tradable asset that I, you know, if, if people are talking about you know, moving Tobias Harris and finding suitors for him, you can easily find suitors for Chris Middleton. But to the point you brought up, I don't know what you're going to get back for Chris. And, you know, in terms of a one-for-one, you're not getting anybody back that's going to fit everything that he does with the team. And then you would be hoping to turn, you know, four quarters into a dollar, basically. And, you know, we've seen that time and time again, not really work out. So, Brooke is really the guy for a number of reasons that the contract isn't that bad. And, you know, this, if we're being honest, is probably the highest his value will ever be, especially after um, getting votes for Defensive Player of the Year and another all-defensive team honors uh, last season. And, you know, just the way that we're seeing this league move, is, as we talked about during the playoffs, I think the difficult conversation that the Bucks nearly had to have if Giannis didn't suffer that injury is – it certainly appeared against Miami that your best lineup was one where Giannis and Marvin Williams were in the front court. So you essentially your third best player isn't on the floor then if you're a Brooke Lopez. And, you know, I think the other difficult thing about Brooke is again, the contract is a good value contract, but what we're seeing is fewer and fewer teams actually investing money into the center position. And just, you know, as we see more and more of the league moving towards uh, switching more than just, a handful of times that, you know, basically running an entire defense revolved around switching 
that's the one thing you can't really do with Brooke Lopez. So if you were looking to maximize uh, those lineups where you could even play Chris at the four and uh, maximize people wanting to see Giannis at the five and, you know, just maximizing the talent you have that other people would be interested in. It's unfortunately Brooke Lopez, the name that would get mentioned the most that would carry the most value within this roster. So just that's uh, as far as the candidates go, we've already spoken about Doc Rivers, Billy Donovan, and Tibbs. So recycled coaches, veteran coaches that have been in the job for a while elsewhere. My good friend Gilbert McGregor over at NBA Canada, I've got an article uh, up here right now with some of the, the names that he's rattled off. And it just gives you an indication of where these uh, jobs might land. And it's all guys that have been elsewhere. So Kenny Atkinson, obviously a great de- developmental coach, did a fantastic job with the Nets last season. And now they have uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving there. And it sounds like uh, they probably weren't too thrilled with the idea of playing under him, which sucks for him. I think he's a really good coach. Again, the Bucs aren't a young team. They're a really veteran team. I don't think that would fit. Brett Brown, as we touched on, uh, I'm not so sure that he's going to get another head coaching job uh, straight away. He needs, to, he needs to focus on the Australian national team anyway. To keep him out of the NBA. He's got the Olympics next year. Uh, Mike D'Antoni is another one. Alvin Gentry, Mark Jackson, Dave Yeager, uh, Nate McMillan, Jeff Van Gundy, and then uh, a couple of other names like Mike Brown, uh, Jason Kidd obviously wouldn't be uh, coming to Milwaukee. <laughs> And, and Ty Lue. So, you know, really, most of the names that have been thrown out there are just veteran coaches that have recycled elsewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean that they can't do a better job or they wouldn't be a good coach. But again, I, I just think when I look at all the, the jobs that are out there on offer right now and I look at the candidates that are thrown out there, I'm just not that excited about anyone that's on the market anyway. And you could go to someone like Becky Hammond with the Spurs or certainly Darvin Ham is with the Bucks. Uh, anyway, and and Emi Udoka obviously is yeah. another guy. At the Charles 76s. Lee, yeah. Charles Lee, right? But I think that what we're seeing is it's going to be a, a year where uh, the veteran coaches all basically just switch seats. Uh, it's one of the difficult things that we've talked about before about just the hunt for the hunting being done by the fans in this case for coaches in the NBA, just because. It's not football where you know, hey, this guy calls the offensive plays or the defensive plays or this guy coaches these positions. It's pretty ambiguous that unless you're in the practices, you don't really know what that coach does. So uh, that makes it tough to really say, hey, you should target this guy unless we're talking about uh, a G League coach in the case of Nick Nurse. Um, that we just we don't really know. And that's why I always laugh whenever you hear people point out, well, this guy would be good based off what? Like what, what have you mm-hmm. seen that you know that? Um, and this class or this group of coaches that we see, I mean, this is more than any other year I can remember where it just seems like it is purely retreads and nothing to really get excited about. And it it goes back to what I said before about personnel moves on. It kind of feels like we're just going to do the same old here for at least one more year until more clarity comes from, you know, the CBA and everything else with the league as we move into the 2021 season. Uh, But this group of names, I, I mean, it's, it leaves a lot where look, in the case of Bud, when the Bucks hired him, um, and we've seen this with other coaches through the years too, where you do have guys that are technically retreads or in yet another stop, but they're guys where there is a resume there and a certain pedigree where you know, okay, well, here's his faults, but overall, the majority of people are going to tell you this is a good coach. And that's what we saw in Bud, where, hey, 
here's some of the issues he ran into in Atlanta. But other than that, everybody's going to say, Bud's a really good coach. And, you know, definitely the best on the market since we didn't really know all that much about Nick Nurse other than what he did with the G League team. It doesn't seem like we have that this year where you can point to some of these guys and say, well, they had their struggles, but I'm convinced they're a good coach. Can we really say that with guys uh, like Jason Kidd, like Dave Yeager? Uh, if you put Nate McMillan back out there, I know that's very polarizing that it, it doesn't seem like we have that guy that you can look to and say, well, maybe X, Y, and Z happened. And that's what kind of took him down earlier in the playoffs. But anybody you talk to is going to say he's good. Yes, it's, uh, it's kind of a, it is for those reasons that you just outlined. It's kind of a strange year um, for, for coaches. And, and that's why ultimately, as we've discussed, I, I think that the Bucks would either just be bringing in a retread that probably wouldn't excite the fan base uh, too much either way, or they'd be trying to complete unknown. And in the situation the Bucks are in, I, I just think that that's a scary proposition and they're probably not going to go down that path. Certainly doesn't look like it at this stage. Now, what about... Uh, what about this, though? What, so, as I said at the start, I'm kind of, and maybe this is just not to be overly disappointed, I'm kind of expecting no major changes for the Bucks. that, you know, maybe you chalk a lot of it up to just how weird the bubble was and we have some other issues we need to work through, but we think part of it was bubble-related and if we just improve some of our schemes, we'll be better. What if there was no major roster changes where maybe you, uh, you know, you did some tinkering where it's guys on the Pat Connaughton level that you bring in or out there. Um, but what if there were more ads to the staff or what if Kenny Atkinson doesn't get a job somewhere and just decides, you know what, I'll, I'll work with Bud again and I'll just get an assistant gig on the Buck staff for a year and maybe I can get a job next year. Yeah, I think that that's certainly something I've thrown up there. And again, it's really, it's kind of hard to bring that up because, you know, we've been around the team, we speak to the players and we know how much they, they love the coaching staff and then they will, they will praise them uh, till the end of, end of time. They love those guys. They love working with those guys and, and certainly have so after the last two years. But uh, that whole group, including back in Atlanta, largely has been together for a very, very long time. And, and I, you know, I would be kind of excited at the thought of getting some new ideas in there. And yes, potentially you don't change the head coach, but maybe, yeah, as you sort of pointed to, someone like Atkinson comes in there who has had success elsewhere as a head coach, and he just works together with Bart, a guy that he's, he's obviously very familiar with. I would, be, I would be all in on that. That said, that would be a, a fantastic idea, and I think something fans could be genuinely excited about. Yeah, and I think you know, part of that too is when you know, we saw the reporting, and you and I talked about this too, that I didn't expect Bud to be fired after the playoffs, but when you saw the reporting by Shams, that, hey, Bud is safe, um, you assume the conversation was okay. Uh, we'll bring a lot of this back next year, but here's some of the changes we need to see out of you or here's some things we would like to see done a little differently. And, you know, the easiest way to go about that is, as you said, to bring in another voice and especially one that he's familiar with where it's not just basically the Nick Nurse scenario where Nick Nurse joined Dwayne Casey's staff as probably an outsider. And before you knew it, he was taking his job. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. I think that that would be a move I would like to see. Again, you know, I, I do wonder what, what type of moves like that and how many moves like that are going to be made this offseason just because it's, uh, it's such a strange time and we don't really know the timelines or when uh, the Bucks are going to be getting back to work. I mean, I guess it, it can't be too far away. Um, with everything that's going down in the draft uh, just over a month away. 
Yeah, and I guess uh, the one thing as I bring that up is, hey, what if this happened? Wouldn't it be great? The one thing not to be a wet blanket, though, is uh, to that point, this would be the year where if you were a team and you were going to go lean and say, do we really need to add more money here and more add to staffs in this regard? Mm-hmm. This would be the offseason. You would think that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And uh, I guess before we wrap this up, the only other thing I have to bring up because there hasn't been a lot of news in regards to the Bucks, but we have seen a lot more Ersanu Isaiah content uh, on the social channels. And uh, I've said this before, we don't know whether Ersan's going to be back. He may be back on a, a modified deal, a changed deal. I'm almost certain that he's not going to be back on $7 million next year, but I hope he's back around because this year, Ersan became the content king. And we haven't seen a lot of that from him. And I personally love it. Well, I mean, what if Ersan comes back as an assistant coach, number one? And, oh, yeah. You know, secondly, I mean, if Ersan, if this is it, and the the Ersan, uh, what, third tour of duty in Milwaukee does come to a close, I mean, that 2020 has been bad enough. But to potentially lose Ryan Braun and Ersan Ilyasova from Milwaukee in the same uh, fall, I mean, that would just be heartbreaking. I agree. I agree. Uh, Ersan, I've got uh, a lot of love for Ersan. I've watched, too, I've watched him play too many basketball games uh, not to feel that way. And I, I, do, I do hope he's back in some way. And maybe he won't be playing big minutes. And we certainly saw towards the end of this season, uh, he, uh, he fell out of the rotation. But a small part of me likes to think that he might have threatened Marvin Williams into retirement. So Marvin isn't back next year and Ersan could be back on the court playing again. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> All right, we are going to leave it there. Uh, again, as I mentioned the other day, uh, more emails to get through when Frank is back. At some point, Dean Maniat's going to be on the podcast. So if you have any questions for Dean, you can fire them through to LockedOnBucks at gmail.com or at LockedOnBucks on Twitter. Uh, it's been far too long since Dean was on the podcast. Who knows where he is around the world? I, I try and get in touch with him, and uh, the time zones are just uh, impossible to organize. It's unbelievable. He's somewhere. I'm trying to do a U.S. time slot uh, podcast. I'm in Australia and he's somewhere over in Europe. I think he's in London right now. So who knows? So Dean will be on at some point, but Justin, as I said, appreciate you. It's just a, just a regular Monday time slot now. Always a pleasure. We will be back tomorrow, as I said. Uh, maybe Frank, maybe not Frank, maybe just me. Who really knows? But uh, we will speak to you guys then. Stay safe and uh, enjoy the Packers game. <laughs>